The title of what I'm sharing with you this morning is Revival in Acts. Revival in Acts, that's what we're talking about. Would you please turn so long to Acts chapter 19, and we'll get there in a few moments' time. But let me just give you a little bit of a setting here of uh, the reason why we are looking at this passage of Scripture, is this is where we find a very interesting story which confirms some of the actions that we have taken today. And it's lovely to have that kind of a biblical confirmation. But also in this passage, we see that God was working so powerfully that they brought their magic books to be burned. Does that sound familiar today, all right? They brought their magic books to be burned at a public bonfire in the sight of all. So here we go, Acts chapter 19, verse 11 to 20. It says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest who did this. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. That's quite a story. Verse 17, this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and look at this, fear fell on them all, and then I love this, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified, isn't that beautiful? And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, listen to this, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. That's quite some value. And I love this, verse 20. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. And we say, thank you, Lord, for your word, amen. Now, please keep this open. I'm gonna refer several times back to what we have just read. But as I looked at this passage, I thought to myself, you know what? This is like a snapshot of revival. It's like a picture of revival. You open your Bible and you read here in Acts 19, and you see we get a glimpse of what revival looked like in the book of Acts. And it is wonderful to see. Come on, folks, when you see a story of revival, it should excite you, it should ignite you, it should say, God, do it again. God, I want that. And so we see this lovely snapshot of revival. 
but just also a little bit of background. So here, this took place in Ephesus. Paul was ministering in Ephesus over a two-year period. He didn't just come for two weeks of meetings, no. Over two years, he was ministering. But he was ministering in Ephesus, a city which the devil had a stranglehold over the people in that city. But despite that, nevertheless, Paul had two incredibly fruitful years of ministry. Don't look at a mission field that God might be calling to you, uh, calling you to and say, no, no, it's too hard, it's too difficult. No, Ephesus was too hard, it was difficult, but by God's power, it's not too hard, it's not too difficult. That power can be broken. Those principalities can be broken. And so during this time that Paul was there, there was an unmistakable move of the Holy Spirit. You're looking at revival in the book of Acts. Now, there's a few things that I'd like to highlight to you that really stand out for me out of this passage. I am, uh, nothing will appear on the board. I'm just gonna share a little bit more out of my heart. So this is one of the things that I wanna declare firstly. There is clear biblical precedent for us to destroy items of bondage. Come on. There is clear biblical precedent for us to destroy items of bondage. Now look in your Bible, verse 19, at the first part. It says, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them. Would you say burned? And burned them in the sight of all. And in the light of this, I wanna say to you today that what we are doing here today is not weird. By burning those things, those items of the occult and things like that, it is not weird. It is actually biblical. And we are just being doers of the word. We are walking in obedience to God. Amen? Maybe this should happen more often at churches. Come on. Where things of the enemy get destroyed. One of the pastors that I'm in good relationship with uh, I chatted to earlier on in the week and I told him what we're doing. And he said, well, I actually feel the Lord stirring as you're saying that we need to do the same in our church. So who knows, there might be a few more churches that are gonna be doing this. And so it's not weird, it is biblical. And also there is a biblical basis which is found in the New Testament. Now we know of lots of incidents in the Old Testament where altars were destroyed and broken down where idols were destroyed, etc. But it's lovely to also, in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, see the breaking of items of bondage. And so, church, we're not some weird, fanatical group. We're simply doers of the word. Now, this same verse, verse 19, in the Living Bible, this was the first translation that I read it in a number of years ago, it says, many of the believers, just to say this, these were the believers at Ephesus. They had come to believe in Christ, but there were things in their lives that they had not cut off yet from their lives. You might be in that situation, and today you've been a believer for a while, and today you cut certain things off from your life. So these were actually believers, and it goes on to say, who had been practicing black magic, that is evil, demonic magic. They confessed their deeds, and brought their, listen to this, incantation books and charms. 
and burned them. Would you say burned? And burned them at a public bonfire. And so these people, they had been practicing the occult. They had been practicing sorcery. They had been practicing witchcraft, black magic, etc. But you know what? The kingdom of God does not have any place for things like that. You've got to hear me. We need to really understand that we should not allow mixture in the kingdom of God. It cannot be the cross and the occult. No ways. It cannot be the cross and Freemasonry. No ways. It cannot be the cross and worship of the ancestors. No ways. It needs to be the cross of Jesus Christ and the cross alone. The cross and the cross alone. Can you give me a little bit more level on my mic? The cross and the cross alone. Another thing that I noticed from the story is that it doesn't matter if evil items are valuable, destroy them anyhow. A little bit of a challenge, because what if you got something, it's quite, yeah, are you, will you, will you destroy it, you know? Look at verse 19, the second part. It says, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the items that they were destroying were of immense monetary value, 50,000 pieces of silver. It is said that each silver coin was equal to one day's wage. Do you realize this is a lot of money that was being destroyed in terms of the value of these things? The New International Reader's Version says it would take more than two lifetimes to earn that amount of money. Listen to this. The New Living Translation and the Passion says the value was equal to several million dollars. Golly. This was not just, oh, well, you know, a small little thing worth 20 bucks and yeah, well, I guess I can throw it away. I didn't even like it in any case. No, no, no. This was tremendously valuable things that were being brought and destroyed in the fire. Let me tell you, making a clean break with sin can be costly. But it will always be worth it in the end, child of God. It'll be worth it in the end. You might be uh, somebody that's listening, and, and as, as we're talking today, you've been convicted that there are things that you need to destroy in terms of things that are in your own home. But you might want to avoid destroying an evil object because it is valuable. I want to say to you, don't hold back. Destroy it any way, because the blessing of the Lord will far exceed any sacrifice you could ever make on earth. The blessing of the Lord is our greatest wealth, the Bible says. And so even if something is valuable, you destroy it nonetheless. And by the way, for goodness sake, Please don't give an evil item to a friend. Come on. <laughs> Somebody says, well, my family member, they used to also be into this sort of witchcraft, so I'll just give it to them. No, for heaven's sake, don't do that. Please. You don't want to pass on a curse to somebody else. Just destroy it. Another thing I notice from this passage of Scripture is that, listen, when revival hits, you can expect, Confession and repentance. 
It is normal in a time of revival that things would be confessed and repented of. And look at verse 18, it says, and many who had believed, they came. What were they doing? They came confessing and telling their deeds. This is before the things were burned in the fire. They came confessing, they came telling. People basically came to confess their sins before the Lord. They came to acknowledge the error of their ways before God. And this is actually wonderful. This is a sign that God's Spirit was at work in this revival in Acts. Listen to the statement. Revival is a time to come clean. Please say that with me. Revival is a time to come clean. Because of the heightened activity of the Spirit of God, things which we were sort of willing to uh, turn a blind eye to, suddenly, because God is working powerfully, we realize, no, this is a problem. Why didn't I realize this? And I'm willing to deal with it and destroy it. There is something powerful, child of God, about taking deeds out of dark into the light. Do you realize when things are kept in the dark, they still have a power of bondage. But the moment you bring them into the light, they lose their power. It's amazing. You bring things into the light, the power is lost. And I want to say to you that as you're listening today, if there's something that you still need to confess, which God may have just touched on in your heart today, Speak to your life group leader, speak to your shepherd, speak to one of the pastors, but make sure that it comes into the light so that its power is broken over your life. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. Come, give a big smile to the person next to you. Give a big smile. All right. Just making sure all the eyeballs are wide open. Something else that I notice from this passage, let me read it to you how I put it here. If you mess around with the demonic you're asking for trouble. But if believers resist the enemy in Christ's authority, we have nothing to fear. You know, when I was a little kid, and sometimes in my dad's church, there would be some screaming and some deliverance going on in the one corner of the church. It would freak me out a little bit. But as I began to understand the authority that we have in Christ, I realized that there is nothing to fear whatsoever. <laughs> There's nothing to fear. And so it's very interesting that in Ephesus, um, in terms of messing around with the occult, many of the people, they were involved in the occult and they were involved in exorcism, which is casting out of demons. They were actually doing it to make money. And in Ephesus, there was a lot of this. There was a lot of occult and witchcraft there. And so this group of Jews, or exorcists, as we could refer to them, they were probably quite impressed with Paul's ministry. So they're looking at Paul's ministry, they're thinking, this is impressive. This power is far stronger than ours, and we'd like to get a hold of this power, probably so that they could make themselves look good and they could make money. You know what? They thought that they could use the name of Jesus as a magical formula. No, you cannot do that because it flows out of relationship with Jesus that authority operates in and through your life. 
What these exorcists didn't realize is that Paul's power came from the Holy Spirit of God. Not from any incantation, not from any magical formula. It came from the God who is holy. It came from the, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. This was the true living God manifesting his power here. Praise God. And so these exorcists, they received the whipping because they had no authority, but we have tremendous authority in Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you, child of God, you need to know that, and you need to meditate on the word, and you need to believe that. Because too many of us are living in fear of the demonic realm, fear of the enemy. Now let me tell you this scripture. In Luke 10, verse 19, Jesus said, oh, this is a good one. Behold, I give you the authority, and then it goes on to say, over all the power of the enemy, and listen to this, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Come on, let faith arise. <laughs> nothing shall by any means hurt you. I sometimes am concerned that we are too worried about a backlash if we stand against the enemy. My Bible says that we have the authority over all the power and nothing shall by any means hurt us. Come on, let's just be Bible-believing Christians. <laughs> Hallelujah. The other thing I'd like to say is that revival brings restoration of the fear of the Lord. Please say that with me. Revival brings restoration of the fear of the Lord. Praise God. I think there's more fear of the Lord in this place today than six weeks ago because I believe that God is working by His Spirit. I have a sense of a, a fresh stirring by the Spirit of God. Now, in terms of revival bringing a restoration of the fear of the Lord, look at verse 17, the first part. It says, this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and here it says, and fear fell on them all. Say that with me, and fear fell on them all. Because the question that I ask here is why did fear come upon them all? And I would say this is the reason, because these exorcists, got such a whipping from the enemy, whereas the power of God was so greatly upon Paul that even if they just took a little hanky from his body and put it on somebody who was possessed by a demon, the demons would flee. Wow. Do you see the power and the authority of the believer? The believer who is in Christ. And so fear spread amongst all the people because they saw, wow, this is the true living God. And he is working through the church. He's working through these believers. He's working through the apostle Paul. And so they were seeing that this is a real move of God. This was revival. I want to tell you when the power of, when revival comes, the power of God is made manifest. Begin to expect it more and more. And so these people were realizing, this is the true living God that is at work in Ephesus. And the fear of God began to come in. I want to tell you an interesting story. Years ago, when I was 19 years of age, I was leading a life group, a small group. Back then, we called it a home cell. 
you know those padded cells that they lock you up in. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, man. So there I was, and uh, Mandri was with me, and leading this life group, it was the first time I'd ever led one, and by the way, at that point in time, Byron was my shepherd, I reported to him, and he oversaw two or three life groups. Let's give Byron a hand, what a blessing. We've been together for years. I keep him as my friend because he knows too much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So here we were having our life group. We had only been going for a couple of weeks, I don't know, six or eight or 10 weeks, and we're together in the meeting, and I would say maybe eight or nine, maybe 10 people were in the meeting, and we are sharing around the Word of God, and then we decide to go around the circle and say, let each person just comment on what's the Lord saying to you from this passage, what's the Lord saying to you? And as we were going around the group, we got to one guy in the group, his name was Chris, and I saw that his body, uh, his body language was rather strange. He had his knees on, his arms, elbows on his knees, and he had his hands right like this next to his head, and he was looking down like this. And, um, and he was like frozen in this position. And now it came for his turn for Chris to say something. And suddenly he couldn't say something. I was a bit worried. I thought, has he had a seizure here? I didn't know. So then I sort of got down on my knees and I, I looked into his face. I said, Chris, are you okay? And I saw a complete demonic, uh, uh, demonic, what's the word I'm looking for? That demonic expression over his face. And then he spoke and said something and you knew that wasn't Chris's voice. It was the voice of a demonic spirit. So what do you do? What would you do if you were in that situation, your life group meeting, hey? Well, I tell you what, I can't tell you that we handled it in all the perfect way. We actually should have gone to a side room, myself and one of the leaders, and we should have prayed separately, but we didn't know any better. And so right there in the life group meeting, we started to do group deliverance on this poor guy. <laughs> and so we started to pray and address things. It took quite a while, 30 to 35 minutes. And in this time, it became very animated I remember the one guy, Donovan, to my left, he started getting so worked up and then he's jumping up and down. And he said, get out of it, devil, get out of him, you know, and then somebody else on this side, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that, you know, I, I can't say it was the best deliverance session, but you know what? Somehow God in his grace, that guy was delivered. His face changed in that night. He was delivered. We had never had a life group meeting like that. But you know what? Suddenly, revival came to my group. Why? Because people realized that the spiritual realm is real, that God is real, and it's not time to mess around with God. Make sure you are on the right side. And you know what? The fear of the Lord came into that life group meeting and into that life group, and suddenly there began to come growth and blessing, and pretty soon we were a much larger group because God was at work. But you know what happens? Revival brings restoration of the fear of the Lord. Can we thank the Lord for that? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. The last thing I want to point out is this. Revival results in Jesus Christ being magnified and honored. Don't you love that? If Jesus is not being glorified, 
then it is not genuine revival. It is a fake. Revival will always bring glory to Jesus. And here in Ephesus, we see that the name of Jesus was being greatly honored. A telltale sign that God is on the move. Have a look at verse 17, the last part. I'm drawing to a close. Verse 17, the last part. And it says, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Would you please say magnified? <laughs> say it a little bit louder, magnified. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And I would like to say to you, would you please take note that Paul's name did not get the glory but it was the name of Jesus Christ that got magnified and glorified. And I wanna say boldly and clearly, it is the name of Jesus Christ that is the greatest and most powerful name of all. Come on church, would you get excited for a moment? It is the name of Jesus that is the greatest, the most powerful name of all. And revival will always magnify the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's stand and pray. Father, we just thank you for what you are doing. We declare, as the scripture says, it's not by might, nor by power, but it's by your spirit. It's by your spirit, it's by your spirit, it's by your spirit. Just pray in the Spirit just for a moment. It's by your Spirit. It's by your Spirit. And so we say to you, we open up our lives for the revival, Holy Spirit, that you're wanting to bring in this city, in this church, in this nation. Thank you, Lord, for the prophetic word that came through Dr. Keenan Bridges. We say yes to that word. We say amen to that word, and we say, let the wind of your spirit blow. Let the fire of your spirit fall, and we are believing you for great things. Lord, because of the act of obedience that took place today, we are believing you for breakthrough in our individual lives and in the life of this church. We give you honor and thanks and so much praise. In Jesus' name, and would you give the Lord a big hand of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You're free to go.